If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. It was a day of the 90s for me, though, because I got a loaner van today while my van was in the shop, oh. and it was a 1996 Honda Odyssey, and both of my kids wanted to ride in it because it was, like, so retro. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were like, whoa. <laughs> like, because this, the layout inside is so different. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's weird being in it. Like, everything is, it's a van, but it's, like, really close to the ground, and there's a lot of space above you, so it's like driving in a box with a lot of space, like the Pope Mobile or something. We had the, was it, was it, I want to say an Astro? Mm. Astro van. My Aunt Marilyn had one. It was, yeah, it was back. That that was a Ford? Was it Ford Astro? I think it was Chevy. Oh, okay. And it, it was like the party van. Like it's that's what my minivan was. I had a Dodge. Pulled in, like all, we just like pick everybody up. Nobody wore seatbelts because college students. And then we would Because how many people can you fit in without seatbelts? So right? many more. So many more. And, it, you know, you're sitting on the floor and you, somebody's got to hold, like, the ice chest and mm-hmm. beer. And we just load up and go, like, all play tennis. And it's so funny. I don't know <laughs> why. load up and go play tennis. But, you know, we would go out to, like, a state park, like, with all the beer and all the cigarettes. Like, the worst things in the world. And we'd be out there, like, actually exercising. <laughs> Oh yeah, I used to do that shit too. I was like, have you ever played tennis and smoked a cigarette at the same time? <laughs> I have. <laughs> and I know, like, if I, nowadays, if I would be on a tennis court and some asshole college students pulled up and pulled that bullshit, I would be hating their guts. <laughs> and therefore, that I'm pretty sure that I hate my younger self. <laughs> And all iterations of my younger self. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you were playing tennis while drunk and, and smoking. smoking. I'm impressed. <laughs> I love your younger self. <laughs> Courtney, what are we drinking? We all didn't say hello. Oh, <laughs> She's very, very in. Always, like, always is Courtney that reminds us that we haven't done yeah. our intro correctly. Mm. How do they know we're even here? If you don't say hello, how does anybody know that we're really here? So existential. (laughs) I don't know that I'm really here. Are we here, Courtney? I'm not sure today. I'm kind of out of it. I know. I think we all are a little out of it. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Courtney. I'm really upping my mixology game with this one because Mm. it has egg whites in it, which Mm. I know is a common cocktail. Right, secret for froth, but I didn't really. It just kind of turned to my stomach the thought of it because it was usually related to gin, gin, whatever. Mm. So of the two things, it's the, not. It's the like egg gin white, it's the and gin egg white. Anyway, stomach. I found out that traditionally amaretto sours had this egg white froth, so I decided to do a mixed up version because amaretto sours to me are just like what 
college students get at the bar who don't know how to drink properly and they yeah. just get cheap uh, amaretto with bar mix in it and it tastes like shit. <laughs> so would those college students also be the ones like drinking beer and smoking on tennis courts? <laughs> well, that was me. I was at... <laughs> I just hate bar mix, too. So all these things have equated to, like, egg frost is gross in a drink. But mm. then I came, just came back from Denver, went to a Peruvian restaurant where they made mm. Pisco Sours, which is a Peruvian liquor, Pisco. And it's a similar idea of Amaretto Sour, and it was topped with this. And I would have never known that that was egg froth on the top. You sent I, a picture of it, had, and it looked like a latte. It looked latte like a latte because they put the little, yeah, they put the art in it and ran the toothpick or whatever on the top. Mm -hmm. It's pretty. So this That's is pretty. a half bourbon, <laughs> half amaretto sour with, of course, fresh lemon juice. Of course. A couple of dashes of bitters, egg white, and simple syrup. Shake, shake, shake. You have to do what I've learned as a dry shake first, which means no ice. Oh. Then you add ice, then you shake again. Well, that kind of makes sense. Does it? Why does that make a difference? It might separate. It might not let the egg white um, oh. froth because the cold and the, yeah, the, the cold ice. Would make it. I think that's why. Mm -hmm. I'll be damned. Chemistry. Cheers. Cheers. I, I like it. I, I think it's, it's good. It's delicious. Like, as and soon I was as we really, put I enough like, amaretto in it. Yeah. yeah. I was I, like, I don't know. This is raw eggs. Like, I wasn't even allowed to eat like cake batter for years. So it's kind of me either. My mom would be flipping out if she hears that you're drinking egg whites. <laughs> cheers. Oh, cheers. Sorry. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Delicious. Our energy levels are low. I just thought about something. We need to record when we go to New Orleans. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Patrice is like, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> she went. <laughs> You know, know, the face is like, ah. back in the day, we didn't have recordings when we went to New Orleans. For a reason. No, I meant record, an, not an episode, but like a mini. Oh, okay. I meant like a, no, not a video. Oh, yeah. I thought you were saying like. <laughs> no, well. We should just reality. Why don't we just if, hire people to follow us around? If so. And oh, shit. With, um, with cameras. Get and, Patrice will get kicked out of Pat O'Brien's again. Yeah, that's actually my goal. Is to get Patrice kicked out of Pat O'Brien's or for you Patrice to, to enjoy get kicked out of Pat O'Brien's? So <laughs> oh my gosh. You two at the piano bar, I can't. It's going to be it's awesome. Gonna be all, neither of, like, none of the three of us is going to be able to talk for like. I say we sleep all week. day and party all night. <laughs> Every day we're there. That would be lovely if that was even physically possible for me. <laughs> We stay up late enough and we, drink enough. You probably can't. <laughs> I'll bring like I'll find like a little. Um, we can bring your little um your little beach wagon and mm -hmm. just put me in it. And that way, when I pass out somewhere, you can no. just drag me to the next place. You and eventually, be, I'll get back up again. No, that won't work on Bourbon Street. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be too many people and trash and. Yeah, so much trash. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about there being Mardi Gras parades, though. We've already found some that time we're there. Yes. I've I'm never so been to a real either. Ah, you haven't either? Me either. So never. glad we're going in February. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to New Orleans when it was, like, cold. I've always been, like, when mm. it's hot as shit. I've only been once, and it was in July when it was hot as shit. Mm -hmm. New Year's, like, four times. It's mm. awesome. But it so was... you're in charge. <laughs> yeah. Which is a terrifying yes. thing to say. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I know that place. All right. Let's get to it, ladies. Let's get to it. Y'all don't have any other things before the show? Yeah. Y'all did it all last so. week. We, we talked talk about plenty just now. What would you talk about without me? 
I haven't um, heard it yet. I don't Tell know. me You'll now. Have to You're going to have to listen and yep. find out. Because we can't remember. No, we can't. I wrote it down somewhere, but I deleted that note. I'm trying to delete all the 250, 55, 40 notes <laughs> in my phone. Or I'll change phones and <laughs> they'll just I'll all disappear. <laughs> That's the way it happens. Be that, uh-oh. SpaghettiOs. Yes. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. This broth is frothy. I think it could be like one egg for every two drinks. I like it. I like it too. You, know, you, you can't take my froth. Ooh. I'm kind of delaying the start of mine so I can enjoy this. Mm. Let's see. What else did we talk about last one? We'll think about it. I got this. I got this. So got this. one of the side effects of doing the show. There are many side effects of doing the show. Oh, shit. There are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried about side effects recently. <laughs> oh, shit. But one of them oh, no. is that we get put on these emailing lists, our like, top eight places to see in Georgia. And really, the tourist people should contact us from as much mm-hmm. publicity as we give certain towns in the South. Mm-hmm. So I've Mark, talked about that. That's on our advertising list. It's on our advertising list, but it would be a lot easier if y'all if would they just would come to us. Just come totally. Hey, us. I just have something really quick. Mm-hmm. Did you hear my favorite murder from yesterday? They're copying you. They did Gwen Shamblin. I Shamblin. Heard that. <laughs> Gwen Shamblin. Did Gwen Shamblin first. Yeah, you heard it Patrice here first. Did Patrice Anderson and HBO, but still. <laughs> <laughs> HBO, then Patrice Anderson, then my favorite murder in that order. All right. All You're right. You're right. I know. Marley and I were talking about this when we were at Starbucks the other day. Because I was like, hey, guess what? You know, my favorite murder did Karen did the um, Gwen Shamblin. And we were talking about like story ideas. We really weren't talking. I was looking at story ideas while we were working and stuff. And something came across my purview and I was like, you know, that's kind of interesting. And I was like, Marlea, what the hell is this? And Ooh. I went ahead and, and talked to her about it because usually we don't share story ideas with each other. And of course, Marlea was like, Oh, are you going to do a story on that? What is it? She just looked at me with mouth. I don't remember. <laughs> Good. I'm so it's good. Short term memory loss is good sometimes. <laughs> win. Because Marlea is all the time trying to figure out what I'm doing. And I'm like, Marlea, that's not how we do things here. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm not going to tell you. So I was like, so I'm not going to do this. So I'm going to talk to you about it because this is so weird. And 
And I'm like, also, it's kind of thin because it was just like a top 10 list of something to see in Georgia. And but the name caught my attention because it was Radium Springs. Oh, my God. That's right. And we talked about it like more than just for a second, too. We did. We had like a whole conversation because we we're like Radium Springs. That is like a fucked up name. That sounds like a terrible idea to give a tourist, you know, destination. Yeah, jump in, get some radium. For right? real. But Radium Springs is like the largest natural spring in Georgia. Is it really? It is. It's and it's one of like the seven wonders of Georgia or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> is it a wonder because you turn glowy green after you swim? It moved there? up once the Godstones were destroyed. <laughs> I'm sorry, the six <laughs> wonders of Georgia. <laughs> You're right, absolutely. So the Georgia Godstones were not natural wonders. It's actually considered one of the seven natural wonders of Georgia. Mm. What the other six are? Fuck if I know. <laughs> so Radium Springs. Is is a spring where they pump like 70,000 gallons of clear 98 degree water per minute from this underground cave system. And it's pretty extensive cave system that the spring comes from. Oh my God. And then it empties into the Flint River. I was like, all right. Okay, but like, what about the radium? <laughs> what about the radium? That's the question. <laughs> right? It's the question it's of like, the hour. Why would you name it Radium Springs? And it's because the water contains trace amounts of radium. Uh, but radium used to be like this huge thing. So back in like the 20s and such, or even before then, like early 1900s and through like 1940 or so, people would travel by train to spend winter in Florida, often stopping by to swim in the springs because also it was beautiful. It was warm because it's 68 degrees all year round. Which, to me, I think is still kind of Oh, you of said cold. 98, but is it 68? It's 68. Oh, okay, because oh, okay. I was confused about that. That's Sorry. Like, I was like, most... My 68 bad. does sound cold. It does. It is. It's like, 80 is usually like a comfortable yes. swimming it's temperature. Cold. But yeah. Well, if you've ever been in cave springs, if you've ever put your hands in the well, water that's there... that's cold. Yeah. Is it, that 68 degrees? You it mean? might be. But it's that way all year round. It's consistent. So people would travel there because of the radium content. It used to be this healthy thing to do is to soak yourself in radium. So what is radium? If you're not familiar with like the radium girls or anything like that, we're going to talk about what radium is exactly. Like, That's what I was just looking up. Radium is a chemical element that <laughs> has like the atomic number and all that stuff. And you start saying atomic and you're like, oh, my God. And you're like, you're right. It is. Oh, my God. Pure radium is silvery white, but because it readily reacts with nitrogen rather than oxygen, when it's exposed to air, it forms like this black surface layer, and then it changes chemicals because of science <laughs> and stuff. But all isotopes of radium are radioactive, and the most stable isotope of it has a half-life of 1,600 years. Whoa. So if you don't know really, like if you don't remember what half-lives are, half-life in a drug or anything, in a, in a chemical, the time that it takes for half of the substance to leave your body or to go away or to decay or whatever. So they do it in half-lives. They say half-lives because sometimes they'll have like four to five half-lives before it's completely gone. So we are talking thousands and thousands of years before this radioactive chemical becomes not radioactive. Oh, my. 
the radium decays. And when it decays, the radiation is a byproduct and, and it can fluoresce. And that's where we get the glowing of the radium that's made the springs popular during the turn of the century. Did the springs glow at night? I'm not really sure. Nobody really said anything about that. I bet they would have if it did. Right. People would have said. Right. Yeah. Is there something they had to put in the... Are you going to talk about the radium girls? Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, for a little bit of um, perspective about the 1600-year half-life of radium, uranium has a half-life of four and a half billion years. Whoa. Oh, my Four and a half billion. What does God want with radioactive <laughs> materials? It's like they're obviously like being left around like to last beyond the time when we'll be here. Right? I'm <laughs> sure it has something with the Big Bang. <laughs> right, something with the Big Bang. You're or probably the, or the true, Big Bang that's coming. Right? True story. <laughs> that's right. my contribution. So radium is going to stay here forever basically unless you like literally move it somewhere and off the planet it also trace levels of radium is in virtually everything mm. so it is in all rocks all soil water oh. plants and animals well then so radium springs trace levels must be higher than other trace levels then right right okay radium is the 84th most abundant element in the earth's crust Oh, and like I said, it's going to be here for a really, really long time. So with enough concentration of radium, it glows blue. This phenomenon was first observed by Marie Curie and her husband. Marie Curie is remembered for her discovery of radium and plutonium. And she made a huge contribution to finding the treatments for cancer while mm -hmm. actually getting cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of From the confusing. Radium. Yeah, one of the confusing things about radioactive things. Yeah, radiology things and radiology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back in you know the early turn of the century, radium was like this new hot ticket thing. They used it in face creams. They used it in mm. toothpaste. Ah, they used it. Radium infused water was supposed to energize you. They used it in hair tonics that was said to prevent hair loss. And oh, obviously, hair loss. Yeah, <laughs> your, your local uh, swimming holes as well. Holy shit! So in 1902, the radioluminescent paint was invented by William J. Hammer, who mixed radium with zinc sulfate and applied the paint to various things, including watches and clock dials and control panels and anything that they needed to glow. In Europe, it was highly, like, it was huge, even more so than the um, United States. So, like, especially, like, Switzerland, uh, where they would, like, had all the watches and stuff. Mm -hmm. You could see radium painters because they would literally glow mm. walking down the street. Ah! And their hair would, like, sometimes sparkle almost like a halo. It was like a fashion thing, too. It was a fashion. They would, like, put it on. Um, they used to, like, makeup. Yeah, they oh used God. it so they would go out, like clubbing or whatever it's like glitter did. it's like glitter makeup it was like going to a rave man right <laughs> oh which would be exciting sorry just a quick update we've had more problems with a recording stopping in the middle and not indicating that it has stopped so i am going to do a solo recording of this 
I apologize. If you have not heard of Radium Girls, you need to go catch this play. And the only reason that I know about it is because I saw the play and did not know. I went to it not really knowing the history behind what I was fisting to watch. But in the 1920s, there were female factory workers who contracted radiation poisoning from painting watches, like watch styles, with self-luminescent paint. And the paint was self-luminescent because it had radium in it. It's really quite horrifying because they told them it was harmless. They um, said that they really needed to get like fine work on the watch head, so they instructed them to lick the point of their brushes that had the radium paint on it in order to get that nice fine line. Not only was it near them and on them, but they were ingesting it as well. Because everybody thought radium was like this miracle cure and this healthy thing, and, you know, if they told them it was okay for them to ingest it, then, of course, like they did things like paint their fingernails, face, and even teeth with this substance. There was even toothpaste that had the substance in it, which just gives me the shivers. Many of these women later began developing some horrible conditions like anemia, fractures and had bone fractures, and necrosis of the jaw. This condition is now known as radium jaw because it affected so many of these female factory workers who were literally every day, multiple times a day, putting fine tips on the end of their paintbrush, which had radium on it. It also suppressed a lot of their menstruation and it made them sterile. Five of these women in an Illinois plant were employees of Radium Dial Company, which was unaffiliated with the United States Radium Corporation. But anyway, they sued their employers under the Illinois law, winning for damages in 1938. So this litigation and the media sensation surrounding all of these cases helped us establish legal precedents and triggered the enactment of regulations governing labor safety standards, including a baseline of provable suffering. Due to these unfortunate events, and you can Google radium girls and see like what happened to them once they became like really sick with it. But because of them, it helped us have these safety labor laws put into place. Current waste facilities have radiation detection alarms. And there's a plant in Pennsylvania where this detection alarm went off. And you may not think about it, why would you have a radiation detection alarm in trash that we have nowadays? Because we know that this stuff, we don't use it anymore. It's illegal and we know it's bad for us. But trash facilities still have radiation alarms going off, like this plant in Pennsylvania People will go through their grandparents' house or great-grandparents' house or maybe an old house that they bought or something, and they'll throw everything away not knowing what it is. And one of these waste facilities found a century-old medical kit that set off their alarm. What they found in the kit was like these capsules of radium that added up to like a gram of radium, which is like a high amount of this material. And it was definitely enough to cause concern. And remember, radium has 1,600-year half-life. So this capsule has only been around for, you know, or this much in that capsule has only been around for, you know, maybe 100 years. 
So if we think about it, to kind of put everything into perspective, is that if we went back 1,600 years from today, then the Roman Empire would be invading Gaul. That is how long a time that it takes to decrease radiation from radium. If we were to move forward in time, it would be 3622. Crazy. So some grandkids or somebody that was cleaning out a house, they found this in the attic and they probably just dropped it off in a dumpster, not thinking anything about it. And it's really kind of scary, again, because, you know, turn of the century, 1920s, 1940s, when all of this was popular, it was all around us. And it does not go away. You have to like, you have to like, you throw it away, not just in the dumpster. This company sent out flyers because it was concerned about people's health, because even just the fact of finding it and then throwing it away, it still was irradiating them. I think that's the word. Because radium and radiation is a helpful tool used in small doses, there there were people back in the day called radium hounds. And when I first heard that term, I thought, well, literally they were using dogs for experimentation or something horrific like that. And I was going to see maybe this was a specter, like radium hounds. That just sounds intriguing to me. I didn't know what I was looking for. Unfortunately, I did find where they were actually injecting dogs back in the 50s with radiation and varying levels of radiation so that they could see at what points or how fast the dogs would get sick. It was horrible. They, they stopped that practice very quickly because, again, it was horrible. Radium hound actually refers to two different things. Radium hound refers to the person that was hired to find sources of radiation or radium so that they can collect it and dispose of it properly. And also it is referred to as like the Geiger counter that reads radioactivity. The magazine on the medium um, has an article by Teresa Everland, who is a Philadelphia freelance writer. She wrote about Frank Hartman because they found his diary. Frank Hartman was a radium dealer back in the 1950s, and he knew how harmful radium was, especially unaccounted for radium, like the radium sitting in your grandfather's basement. And he dealt with mostly the medical community, and he really wanted them to take this serious. And we're talking about 1950s medical community where half the doctors were smoking in the doctor's office. He stated in his diaries that radium lost must be found. So they found this diary, and he kept really detailed notes, which you would expect from somebody who is trying to keep trace of this invisible you know, radium is, is like, I think, granular, so you can see it, but the, the radiation that it leaves is invisible. So he's very meticulous about his notes, and the Library of Congress of Physicians in Philadelphia actually had his diary. Frank would bring radium to institutions like the American Oncological Hospital. And they would use it for the newest cancer therapies. But before you could have any of Frank's radium, he insisted on giving tutorials about safe handling best practices to those who bought his product. Because, again, he knew the dangers of it. And this is the 1950s, so the radium girls had already happened. 
Marie Curie had already died of pernicious anemia, which was caused by her exposure to radiation. And so we already knew of the dangers of it. However, it's still, because it didn't happen instantaneously, it still was not taken as seriously as Frank thought it should. So what he would do is he would grab his radium detector or his radium hound and clad in gloves and rubber boots, he would go walking through the hospital looking for lost radium that had gone missing. And when he did this, he would find, you know, lost radium-filled needles and incinerators, and he would get his mop and bucket, and he would go clean up any spills. And, you know, he'd just walk down the hallway, and his Geiger counter would go off. So he would snoop around laboratories, go walk down the halls, and anywhere where it was supposed to be stored or it was used, he would just basically like a hound and would go like sniff the scent and then try to clean it up the best that he could. And also because at this time, radium was extremely expensive. So if he could recover it and they could reuse it, I'm sure that was a boon. He was one of about three or four dealers in the country at the time. He was very responsible. After like one doctor was exposed to an exploding tube of radium, Frank wrote in his diary, I tremble with fear scrubbing Dr. Cleaver in the bathtub at my office with soap and alcohol. But how the doctor is able to live or even myself without some harm, I cannot explain. So he went around assessing radium spills at the hospital. And hospitals, sometimes when they would have a problem, they would take months and months in order to, like, address it or to bring it up. And they would tell Frank that, you know, insurance was haggling with, and Frank would just get fed up, uh, especially this one hospital that took, like, five months, you know, knowing that they had a radium spill. And Frank tipped the newspapers off, and this was in 1948. So he said, five months, I found shoes of many of the doctors and physicians radioactive. Why didn't they keep this room closed as I had requested? Radium is in the corridors. In fact, it was traced into the rooms where films are kept. I swear, I never want another job like this for the rest of my life. Bless you, Frank. Unfortunately, there were hundreds of incidences like this. And this honestly makes me want to carry a radium detector or a Geiger counter or whatever around everywhere I go. And y'all, I looked up, you can get them at Walmart. Um, Like, I think the cheapest one was like 16 bucks. So like between 16 to 200 bucks, you too can have your own radium hound. I also remember like some dumbass YouTube influencer. Ooh, maybe it was the dark tourist. I can't really remember. Y'all help me out here. But there was one episode where they went to visit a highly radioactive place and they had like a Geiger counter with them. And it was just they were like proving to themselves like how much radiation they could tolerate, which is so dumb because it fucking doesn't strike you down dead then and there. It slowly creeps up to you. And in like 20 years, you know, your balls are going to fall off. So back to Frank. He never charged any of the people who asked for his assistance to find radium or to help clean it up. And like we said earlier, 
unless you move the radium or clean up the radium properly, it is going to stay there for at least 1,600 years. So there was a, there's contaminations being found all the time. That's why I'm saying Walmart, Geiger counter, right? So there was a contamination in 2008 where a manufacturer of aircraft instruments used radium to coat their, because it makes sense. If it glows without like the need of electricity back in the day or a power source, they used it. So manufacturers of aircraft's equipment used this and they found radium contamination all through that place. So they had to like burn the building to the ground and then take all of that burnt building and the soil, like 543 tons of it, and carry it away to properly be disposed of. And one of the things that we talked about, unfortunately, that did not get recorded is that where are these radioactive disposal fields? Honestly, I do not know. I remember hearing like in the newspaper and the news a while back, like, you know, people talking about where are we going to put this? Is it like buried under a mountain somewhere? Kind of get that feeling or that could just be like one of the zombie books I read. Not 100% sure. There's another incident of a whole neighborhood that needed to be cleaned up because in 1930s, a University of Pennsylvania physics professor enriched uranium, not uranium, oh my God, no, not that, but radium in the basement of his house. So the basement of his house of this one professor was just glowing green, right? Five decades later, after the contamination was discovered, the house had to be demolished, the sidewalks, portions of the street torn up, and the sewage line replaced because of this radium, the amount of radium that was seeping out of this one house. So, y'all, seriously, Walmart, Geiger counters, check your basements. You may not know. Even your place of work. Like, I sometimes wonder, because we work at universities, how much junk are we breathing and sitting in that we do not know anything about? A lot of this information I got through the Oak Ridge Associated Universities. Are, it's a consortium of more than 150 major colleges and universities, and they work with the federal, local, state, and commercial customers to basically advance our national priorities and serve the public interest. So that was like their PR spill that I got from their website. But, you know, it's a research place and they have a museum of radioactivity. And if you look them up and I'll put a link in the show notes, they have all these really cool things that they have collected, or I should say scary things, scary, cool things, because that's what we like, right? That were once and still are radioactive that were sold as consumer products. This is the Oak Ridge National Labs in Tennessee. This is the same area and the same people that Marleya was talking about in episode 77, Welcome to the Mirrorverse, when we talked about fifth dimensions and all that fun stuff. So make sure you check out episode 77. That was a good one. I apologize, y'all, for having to take this kind of off-road away from the gals. We definitely had a great time talking about this horrifying, silent, slow killer. 
But if you want to hear more stories about radium hounds and some of the things in that radioactive museum in Tennessee, be sure to become a patron for $3 a month. You can check out all our after talks where we talk about extra stuff. We may give a little bit more opinions about things. Or we just may sit there and gossip. You never know what you're going to get. But for $3 less than a cup of Starbucks, it's well worth it. And in doing so, you help support us and you help pay for us to have our podcast online. And we appreciate you so much. Talk to y'all later. I don't feel, I feel lazy Mm -hmm. because I didn't do a story. Mm. I feel super lazy. I feel lazy and I did a story. (laughs) I did it in a different format, so I don't know how the hell this is going to work. Ooh, exciting. Well, not not a different format. Just a different layout. So it's probably going to confuse me and it's probably going to be like worse. One That's very negative. One. <laughs> Patrice. I'm sorry. Have you met me? This could be. <laughs> this could be the thing. This could be. This could be it. This could change everything for the better. Yeah, I don't One. think it is. Shit. Because like I already hate it. <laughs> Why am I getting to be Pollyanna right now? <laughs> we have to take turns. <laughs>